Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, do we have such a special guest on the show for you today. Passionate about finding a solution for blood sugar management that was both natural and accessible, Scarlett Leung tapped her belief in herbal medicine to lead the way when formulating Sugar Break's product line. Having witnessed a close friend struggling with type 1 diabetes, she was motivated to join forces with Sugar Break's co-founders to create a contemporary end-to-end solution for blood sugar management. Scarlett is emphatically driven by the human experience, having led successful businesses across fashion, grocery, and fertility all with the common ground of consumer-oriented strategy. Scarlett, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is so exciting. Marin, so nice to be here with you. Oh my gosh, my sweet new friend. How are you? I am well. You're well. Did you take a long weekend? We're recording this on a Wednesday and we're coming off of President's Day weekend. Did you take a weekend or have you just been going, going? I, not quite, but I gave my team a long weekend. Love that. Same, same. Um, tell me about your day. What, what do you have in store today? You, I know that you run a very tight ship and you have a very packed schedule, but tell me a little bit about what's going on in your world. Oh, um, we are about to launch a few new products. So it's very, very exciting. Um, I think they're going to be amazing. And it's the first sort of products that we've created that are useful for everyone, Um, not just people who are struggling with blood sugar, um, but it's really emphasizing the message that everyone should be focused on having a healthy blood sugar level. So these are products I can't tell you yet, but they're coming out in the next month um, on our website uh, at Target, which they are a great retail partner um, and on Amazon. So I will keep you all posted on that. That is amazing. So on the show, we always like to start from the very beginning to kind of see the the full circle and the full story of the people that we have on the show. So tell me about Little Scarlet. (laughs) Little Scarlet was an interesting one. Um, I think I always wanted to be an adult in a a weird way. Um, My sister will remind me, she's four and a half years younger, that um, I'm her actual mother because I've been mothering her since the day she was born because my parents were like you asked her sister so she's your problem and I was like that that totally sounds reasonable so you know being <laughs> as a five-year-old I'm just like yeah this is my child it'll be great practice for when I'm a mother and so I would like do her schedule I'm like this is nap time you have to do your homework like as a kid I'm like I'm organizing your birthday party and that's just how I was. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Where did you grow up? I grew up between Hong Kong and Toronto. So I was born in Toronto, moved to Hong Kong when I was five, and I moved back to Toronto when I was 14. So um, a lot of moving. I love that. And now you're based in New York. So what happened between Toronto the second time in New York? Oh, and then I moved back to Hong Kong again. Um, I worked, so my career sort of of a winding path to entrepreneurship. I actually never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur because I come from a very entrepreneurial 
family, but it was, I think it's a difference between being an entrepreneur because it's where money driven versus your mission driven. I think I saw how all consuming it was. And I was like, that's not the life I want. So I started, I'm like an accountant by training. I started my career at Deloitte um, in technology. And then I moved to Hong Kong because I wanted more international experience. So I worked for Philip Morris, um, spent half a year living in Australia, traveled to, you know, Korea, Japan, Philippines, the rest of the time. And then um, didn't want to be in tobacco. So I went to work for L'Oreal, um, helping them build Longcom, which is their largest brand in Asia. And I, that really opened my eyes to, you know, actually the operations of a business and growing that. And I fell in love with retail. So went to back to business school, um, in Boston. And then during my internship, then, um, joined All Saints, the British fashion retailer, just as they were coming out with bankruptcy and having new owners. So I helped them relaunch the brand in North America. After graduation, moved to London for them and managed their European business. I started their franchise business, um, opening up stores in the Middle East and Latin America. And sort of at that point, I was like, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, business building, turning around. I know how to run a company. I need to use these skills for a company with a mission. So I moved back to New York, joined Fresh Direct, just as um, Whole Foods got purchased by Amazon. And I love their mission about helping farmers bring really fresh food to customers, making sure that they could still be profitable and earn a living um, and small brands scaling into wholesale. And I love food. At one point, I wanted to be a chef um, until I learned how hard it was to be in the kitchen. Um, and so I, you know, I really loved that. And while I was there, um, I got recruited to starting this fertility company. And so I continued to stay in New York um, and sort of got thrown into the startup world and learned how, you know, creating a company outside of traditional healthcare. Um, could make you move a lot faster, you know, be, you know, customer, you know, patient focused and really change a lot of lives for the better. And that's what really attracted me to starting Sugar Break because, you know, one in two, one in three Americans are pre-diabetic or diabetic. Most people don't know, but it's a huge, you know, impact on people's health and quality of life. So I thought if I could really move the needle here, um, I could do a lot of good in this world. Well, you are, and you have, and you are, <laughs> you will continue to. Um, in layman's terms, explain Sugar Break, what it does, and how maybe you navigate the experience of Sugar Break. Right. So Sugar Break is a brand of all natural products that help you take back control of your relationship with sugar. So we sort of have products for every single pain point that people have said they experience with managing their blood sugar. One very obvious one is sugar consumption. So we have something called the resist strip, which is a functional Listerine strip that blocks the taste of sweet and has been very effective in helping people curb those sugar cravings. Um, we have another product called Stabilize that blocks carbs and sugars that are excessive in a meal. So, you know, 40% of your carbs are blocked so you don't get the same blood sugar spike or drop. And so for someone trying to manage their blood sugar, they can still eat things that 
they normally couldn't um, and just, you know, focus on, you know, the company that they're with um, at a meal. And um, the third product is called Reduce and it's a daily vitamin to help you stay within a healthy blood sugar level. That's amazing. So one thing that I think is really interesting about your relationship with Sugar Break and I would argue your approach to both the product and the company is that it's very community driven. It's very community driven. It is um, a holistic product. You're not just thinking about, oh, this person needs help regulating their sugar. So here's the thing to take. You just even said, now they can focus on the people in front of them, you know, the company that they're keeping. Tell us about the holistic aspect of the brand that makes Sugar Break so unique. So I always think about how I can improve someone's quality of life, right? And, um, you know, diabetes and blood sugar is one of those really strange diseases that there's a lot of stigma around it. I've never seen anything like that before. There's a ton of shame. A lot of people don't even tell their closest loved ones that they're diabetic. Um, and the first reaction a lot of people tell me when they tell people that they're diabetic, the assumption is that, you know, you brought it onto yourself, which is, I think that psychological impact really makes it hard to manage it, right? Like they tell, you know, that stabilize as a product is my favorite if I had to choose one because so many people tell me the hardest thing is, is eating for them. It's when they feel the most lonely and isolated and people feel bad for them because they can't eat things other people are eating. But our social lives are completely, you know, revolve around eating. And like a lot of people eat, you know, with the community, with their family. And so I was like, if I could do something to change that, um, that would make, you know, managing blood sugar that much easier. Um, because I think the psychology behind it and not feeling you're deprived or defeated when you have a slip up is really, really important. Tell me a little bit about sugar break before Scarlet and then sugar break after Scarlet. What enticed you to be part of this brand? And then, you know, with all of your experience, your prior experience, how did that inform what it is now? So I think you know, sugar, I, I was right there at the beginning. So um, when I met my co-founders, they had the strip, um, there was a strip that I spoke of and I actually tried it, put it in my mouth and put a pack of white sugar and it felt like sand in my mouth. And I was like, this is incredible. Whoa. Um, there, you know, I need to, more people should have access to it. It would be really, really helpful. But if we can, think in broader terms and diabetes, like that would be so much more exciting because, you know, my friend got diagnosed with type one a few years ago. And I saw how even having a piece of pastry for him took days of planning, whether or not he could go to the gym. And I remember seeing him take his first insulin shot. It was heartbreaking to me. And, um, then realizing that over a hundred million Americans you know, are at risk of this, yet no one is trying to do anything to address um, the issue other than pharmaceutical drugs or pure lifestyle, you know, willpower-driven lifestyle changes. So that is what really, really attracted me because I'm like, if I can make a difference in fertility, I could 
this is a chance to make an even, even larger impact. Um, I think growing up with both Eastern and Western medicine also um, has taught me at a young age to be very proactive with my health. You know, food as medicine is sort of ingrained in our culture um, and also always not about fixing things that are wrong, but more like optimizing your health so you're the best, you know, shape you and sort of like, you know, emotional state that you can ever be. And I wanted to bring that to the Western world. And I felt that, you know, there were some hurdles in traditional Eastern medicine that make it difficult. Like it's a very personalized experience, um, mainly word of mouth driven. You have no idea what you're taking. So you don't know if it's effective until after the fact. And so I'm like, what if I can like solve all of this? So like, you know, all of our ingredients are natural, but there are clinical studies to shoot show that they actually work. Um, blood sugar is one thing that you can actually measure. So there's no, you know, fluffiness to whether or not our products are helping you or not um, versus some other things that make skin or nails, it's more subjective. Um, and creating it into this sort of, you know, consumer goods format, because I think access and affordability is a big part of helping people get healthier, right? So that's why we have amazing partners like Target and CVS, because I want to meet people where they're already shopping and create a product that's a dollar a day for you. So it's affordable and people can start managing their health um, earlier. I love that. Is there a subscription model? There is. That's awesome. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so we have a subscription on both our website and Amazon. And, you know, all of our products are around sort of formulated to be 30 days um, so that it fits easily into a monthly subscription model. And, you know, having that as top of mind um, and con being consistent with managing your health. That's awesome. Do you see a sugar break? expanding beyond blood sugar or do you feel like this is your niche market and you really want to stay there I think there is so much to do in the space um and blood sugar is such a big driver to so many chronic diseases to aging dementia heart disease it's all linked back to blood sugar. So my goal at least for sugar break is for everyone to sort of think about it and take our products like a vitamin and start managing it very early. But I know there are other chronic diseases out there that would also benefit from a more proactive approach. So when I feel like my work is almost done in the sugar space, I'll probably expand <laughs> beyond that. I love that. And speaking of health, we like to, you know, speak holistically about our guests on the show, right? Yeah. So I would like to ask you what you do to keep yourself you know, grounded and centered and healthy mind, body, soul. What are your, what are your favorite things to do for yourself? Yeah. My, one of my favorite sort of rituals is um, I do a five minute journal. So I start the day off mm -hmm. with the things that I'm grateful for and also end the day on things that I'm grateful for. I think that really helps put me in a headspace to remind me of how lucky I am to be doing what I'm doing. Um, I try to exercise. So between <laughs> Pilates and my Peloton bike that's in my apartment, I'm like, if I have some time, try to do that because that's important. Um, therapy. I love, love, love therapy. Um, I see my therapist once a week and 
I love talking about it as well, because I think, you know, people always think that you go to therapy when there's something wrong, but I think of it as maintenance and almost up-leveling because, you know, you exercise to take care of your physical body, you know, you eat good things to nourish yourself well. So why wouldn't you do the same for your mind? So I, you know, love therapy um, and, you know, surrounding myself with, you know, really good people, um, that are always helpful because, um, you know, being an entrepreneur is a really stressful job and be surrounding myself with other people who are grounded and positive and, you know, cheerleaders of mine, um, really helps me get through tough times. Have you had to rework your support group or rework your friend group because of people that maybe weren't yes. maybe weren't supportive yeah. I speak very candidly about my experience in that but I would love to get your your feedback on that absolutely I think this is something that I've actually been working on a lot um, especially sort of through therapy it's you know setting boundaries and really figuring out who is you know, there to truly support you or sort of, you know, be there only for the good times. Right. And, um, I've been actively sort of looking at who I spend my time with, you know, obviously running a business is really, really busy already. And so I don't have that much free time. So like, do I spend that with people who really love me and nourish me and I feel good with after or not. And I have to make a very, you know, um, be really set an intent around that and, um, you know, be intentional with who I spend time with and who I don't and with the people I don't, I mean, it's tough, but you, you have, you have to do it. And um, I found that especially with the startup life, I've been surrounding myself with more founders, especially female founders, because they can understand and relate to and give really good advice um, when things are hard. Totally. I think that, you know, you saying that you have to do it, meaning you need to curate your life accordingly. I suppose one doesn't have to, right? but, but should you choose not to, it will probably be more difficult than if you did. Yeah. Right. I just, you know, I would argue that you are a high performer, hyper, you know, high performer. I would argue that I'm in that same bucket as well. (laughs) And I feel like if we wanted to have relationship that didn't fill us up, we could do that. We could carve out time to do that. But then it, then, then the question becomes, well, why, what is the purpose? how is this serving you? How are they, how are people moving forward? And I love, love, love surrounding myself with founders as you do. But I also think that there's such value in surrounding yourself with people in different fields, you know, of the opposite sex of, um, you know, people who work for other folks too, because you also get that perspective. I think that that's really huge. Um, And just people that hold space for you. Yeah. You know, what ultimately led you to therapy? Have you been doing it your whole life? No, it actually started when, um, in my previous company, it was my first sort of startup C-suite senior leadership role. And I realized how lonely it was at the top. And I also made me realize sort of 
other experience in the past were sort of impacting my day-to-day decisions at work that was holding me back from being my be- the best leader I could be. Um, and so I started going to therapy because of that, because I wanted to be a better, a better leader. How long ago was that? I think it was three years ago, could be four, but not longer than that. I feel like we're kind of on the same therapy schedule. I want to say mine was like four, maybe five, but I feel like four is a more appropriate number. Um, And it started, it was born of healing out of a relationship for me, knowing that I shouldn't really be this sad over this particular relationship. So maybe there's some cracks in the foundation of my own personal foundation as a human that I need to look at and kind of, you know, build myself back up from the ground up. And now I crave it. I mean, it is a hundred percent part of my weekly practice. If I go a week without it, I'm like, well, I mean, all for a reason, but I really would have liked to do it. You yes. Know? Um, it, it really helps. I mean, I liken it to, you know, anything that we put in our schedule regularly. I also liken it to church, anything that meditation, anything that helps ground you and helps center your mind sleep, you know, all these things that yeah. are so important for us to function. I would be a fraction of the person that I am without it. So I, I so love that you are, that that is your practice and that you are so forthcoming with speaking about it. And I think that that is really unique about the both of us, right? Because a lot of people who are in therapy might not be as um, candid with their, with their experience with it. And I think it it is, it should be something that we should talk about openly and and encourage other people. And I, my therapist also keeps me accountable, right? Like she'll, she'll remind, you know, high performers, we're very hard on ourselves, right? So she'll remind me of the progress I've made. And she's like, if you were given this set of decisions, you know, six months ago, you would have reacted this way because of the work you've done on yourself, you're reacting this way this time. And it's nice to, it's nice to know. And also when things get hard with sugar break, honestly, she'll tell me, she's like, remember when you told me you were going to start this company and I asked you what would make it worthwhile. And you said, if I could just change one person's life for the better, that would have been worth my time. And I was, and she'll remind me that all the time. And you know, that's, that's helpful just to keep me grounded. Totally. And I also believe, um, I'm not sure of your spiritual practice, but I'm a very, very spiritual person. And I believe that God in the universe sends us a lesson over and over and over and over until we learn it. Right. And so for me being a high performer, constantly trying to evolve and improve and perform and go and go and go. I love therapy because it keeps me accountable from an evolutionary standpoint as well. Right right? Because we can draw my therapist and I, um, well, I have a team of therapists, but my current therapist and I can, can draw from, you know, something in the past to say, to your point, remember when we were discussing wanting something that you're now dealing with, or remember how this is, or look at how this is related to something that we've healed in the past, or maybe this isn't really healed yet. Like this is coming up for us now because there's still some healing that needs to happen. And everyone across the board has healing to do, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your hand of cards were when you entered this earth, everyone has healing. Even the people with the prettiest pictures on the outside have healing to do. I agree. And I love what you just said, because 
before that, I would have been like, why does this keep on happening to me? And now I have the tools to sort of self-reflect and be like, it's, I haven't learned my lesson yet. So mm-hmm. I need to handle it differently this time. I finally learn my lesson and hopefully it won't happen again. And sometimes it comes up as a test, right? Sometimes we've re- yeah. learned the lesson and something comes up so that we can re, uh, th- so that we can continue to strengthen that muscle yeah, and really confirm within ourselves, like, no, this is truly how I feel right? I've done this work. We don't need to do this again. We don't even need to flirt with whatever this idea is. Let's talk about boundaries. You mentioned the B word, and that has been literally the topic of me and most of my best friends for the past, I mean, certainly the past week, but I would definitely say the last quarter Q1, the Q1 theme has been boundaries. Right. So when did you start implementing boundaries in your life to really help support the person that you are? I think probably six months to a year into therapy. That's when that curation started happening. I think it was a sort of forced mechanism because I was exhausted and overwhelmed with work and I didn't have that much free time. And it became, I became more sensitive to things or people I spent time with that was draining and uh, I didn't feel good afterwards or started feeling anxiety for the first time about going to do something. And that's when I realized that I haven't been setting boundaries my whole life. I, I, uh, I talk about it now, but this is something that I'm actively working on. Um, actually a goal for me to set boundaries in the next six months that I'm working with a career coach on because there's still a lot to learn there. And um, I talk about, uh, you know, we started with what little Scarlet is like. And I thought, you know, this is one of actually what my career coach sort of, I talked to her about that. And she was like, Don't you think that it was a little wild that as a child, you thought it was okay to take on the responsibility of another little human? And I'm like, you're right. She's like, I was like, you're right. I've been terrible at setting boundaries my whole life and I need to not be the one who always picks up the slack or, you know, in the group project that gets, you know, sent a half written essay knowing that I'm going to finish the entire thing. I was visiting one of my best girlfriends this weekend in Denver while on a work trip and, you know, who's going through a a difficult season. And I said to her, just because you make it look easy, doesn't mean that it's difficult. Doesn't mean that it's not difficult. Right. So taking inventory also, because, you know, as a high performer, we can go and go and kind of like turn the blinders off and make everything happy and make sure everything's, you know, everyone's happy and everything's copacetic because that is what we do in business. But to take inventory of that in your personal life is such a beautiful thing. And I, again, something that I am so grateful to have this platform so we can talk about things like this, because I think that these are the conversations that people need to hear. And sometimes, and this is a topic when you and I first met a topic that, I mean, just completely overtook uh, our conversation was the concept of permission, right? Sometimes people just need permission or a feeling of permission to say, oh, actually, this is the decision that I'm going to make. Oh, this is actually the boundary that I'm going to set. This is, this is the step that I'm going to take to make sure that I'm filled, that my cup is full right. so that I can then help other people. And it's interesting, right? This idea of selfishness, because people might think, 
oh, you're doing so much for yourself. You're a selfish person. But really, if we all just took care of ourselves, everything, there would be really no issues, right? Yeah. It's the deflecting and it's in the deflecting where we get ourselves in trouble. Right. But still, you know, I talk about this, I've been to therapy, I work with people, but still that permission part for me is still hard. And I can candidly say that if I didn't think that doing all of this would make me a better CEO to a company and a better boss, like I probably wouldn't have taken that step to take care of myself. Totally. Well, it's all intertwined, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, you're in the health and wellness space. You're in the space of healing. Like everything is connected, right? So that totally makes sense. What is your spiritual practice? Do you have one? I do not. You seem like a very, very, very grounded person. I asked this because I'm like, hmm, what is her secret sauce? <laughs> I don't, I don't. Um, I, also I would... just living and being is a spiritual yeah. practice, right? Like your, your journaling in the morning is a spiritual practice. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned a career coach. Tell me when you started working with a career coach and what was the in- impetus for that? Because I think that is also something that our listeners, especially our, in- our listeners right. in the entrepreneurial space could really benefit from. Very new, just last week. Amazing. And um, it was one of my investors. Um, so I have an amazing uh, investor. Uh, they're BBG, they're built by girls. They're one of the largest funds that backs female founders. And they actually got me um, set up with this career coach. And her name is Laura Garnett. She has a book called The Genius Habit. And I read that book and it, everything just kind of clicked. And um, it talks about how you figure out what really what your mission and purpose is in life and what are the things that you truly, truly enjoy in work and making sure that you spend more of your time doing that so that you can be the best sort of leader um, that you can and minimizing things that you don't like. So that way you feel, um, you know, your cup is full, like you said, and and also talks about how different um, experience in the past and healing that you need to do that will help you get there. So I highly recommend that book. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I also want to just speak to the career coach space. I mean, I work with several now and they all have their own niche gifts, right? Because I think sometimes when there's too much information, it can get a little muddied and and confusing, but to have people to help guide you in business. Like no one knows everything about everything, right? And similarly in therapy, to have someone to help guide you through, you know, more personal aspects of life, of course, it pours into work as as well, but someone to help guide you in a personal sense. And then also to have, you know, someone in your occupational department to help guide you and, and advise you, not just from a supportive standpoint, but maybe also from a standpoint of, Hey, I've done this before. I know how to help you, you know? And do you find, I I find that they're very intertwined. Correct. Correct. Um, And there's so many, for me, you know, I 
talk about some personal stuff with my business coach. And then I talk, you know, of course about business with my therapist, I would say the only difference is that I don't know if I would dive into the nuances of inner child work with my business right. coach. Right. right. And right. I don't know if I would necessarily pull up a PNL and, and try and dissect yeah. that with my therapist. So there is right. crossover for sure. Um, but having people help you in all those different pieces of the pie, um, that make up oneself. Um, I'm a big, big, big fan of self-care. And to me, those, those, you know, healers and helpers in my life are non-negotiables. Right. And I think it also flexes that muscle of asking for help, which I think a lot of us need to do more of, especially the high achievers, because we're so used to taking on all the work, you know, we want other people to be happy. So we'll take on their sort of, you know, whatever work that they do or troubles that they have. And we forget to take care of ourselves and ask for help when we need it. Asking for help is actually a sign of strength. So I, I second that wholeheartedly aside from your career coach, do you have any mentors in your life that you go to? I actually don't have a set mentor, um, sort of mentor relationship, but I do have, you know, a great network of people that I can call for different reasons, um, to help me through and think through things for me. I think one of, um, I love that. What does your support system? Oh, sorry. I thought I lost you for a second. Yeah. There um, was a bit of a lag. Go ahead, mama. <laughs> um, so, you know, we talked about founder, you know, founder friends. I think they've been, you know, incredibly helpful because they've all done it once or twice. They're going through the exact same stage that you are. Um, my investors are, you know, sort of have that mentorship um, relationship, um, you know, close friends of mine, um, people who I've worked with before and know how have seen me in action and know how I handle things or how I react things or what my personality is like. Um, they're all, you know, part of my support system. And, you know, for it's nice to know that there are people who are just a call away or a text away, whatever I need a little bit of help. I love that. And I love that you were forthcoming with information, that the information that you do have investors, um, explain that process. And maybe also if someone is interested in getting investors, where you would suggest that they go to start looking for them. So I was lucky in that it wasn't my first time fundraising. So I already had a set of investors who I knew well, and I could reach out to maybe not exactly in my wheelhouse, but, you know, they were tapped into, um, their network and introduced me to more investors. So that's how I got to meet more. I think, um, as anyone who's starting business and wanting to look for investors, I think you have to realize that it's a relationship and it's two ways. Um, the biggest mistake I've seen people go after is just take any check and think of it just as money. It's so much more than that. I think, you know, 
it will, there will be tough times in the business. And you need to know that there are true partners there who are aligned with you in your vision. Um, because otherwise it makes decisions very, very difficult and you're not getting the support that you need. So I'm very grateful that all the investors I have are very mission driven so that, you know, it allows me to make decisions, um, around the business and our direction that align with what I want to achieve with sugar break beyond just financial returns. Totally. I love speaking with you because your company is structured so differently than mine. So I also want to talk about your dynamic with the co-founders and how, how you guys maybe organize and divvy up your responsibilities and what that dynamic looks like. So I'm the only full-time person on, uh, working on the business. So, and I'm the CEO, so it makes, you know, it makes it a little easier. Um, my other co-founders are part-time. And so, um, one of my co-founders, Adam Lowry, he's an experienced in CPG. He found method home cleaning, uh, ripple foods. Um, and so he's very focused on retail sort of rollout. Cause that's his area. Um, and, uh, my other two co-founders, Luke and Kyle come from a branding agency background. So they're more focused on the brand side and fortunately, or unfortunately for me, I've worked in so many different roles over my career that I've managed everything from, you know, HR to sales team, to finance teams, to operations, to customer service that, I have the experience to manage all the other parts of the business. Um, and I have an incredible team, you know, who works for me that helps me with the day to day. That's awesome. So how did you guys go about opening up such large accounts? Cause those are massive accounts. Yes. Um, so luckily for me, you know, Adam had a relationship with Target, so we we're able to get the first meeting, but I really have to give credit to, you know, our buyer at the time at Target. Um, her name is Lavori, and she really saw what the future of the business could be and how important it was to, you know, bring something to the market that could help people manage blood sugar. So they were such an incredible partner. You know, we were, we're in every single store and they committed to that even before it even actually had products launched on our own website. And they created an entire section in their, you know, outside of their pharmacy area, just for us with the entire shelf, because they're like, it's important that we start creating, you know, bringing things to market that are proactive health, um, you know, RX meets natural. I love that. What do you guys do as far as, you know, training with target employees Is there any sort of like, how do you, how do you maintain those relationships and make sure that people understand the product? Cause there's maybe not a lot of products out there like sugar break, but, right. but the, the, the aisles are full of so many products. Like how do you guys as a brand stand out to such a monster company? It's, you know, it's really partnership. I think that relationship is everything. And, you know, thankfully they really love the brand and they're really here to support us. So, you know, we talk about different ways that we can make our brand more visible, improve the education. Um, you know, we have, you know, visual, you know, 
boxes on our shelf to sort of talk about the brand a little bit. Um, we just end of last year started going into physician offices. So as part of that, we've created a lot of educational materials that um, for doctors to read, to get, you know, professional credits on pharmacists to read, to get professional credits on. So there's someone in the space who can be knowledgeable and answer questions about sugar break. That is so awesome. How do you guys go about creating products? So, you know, I, I really like to focus on the end consumer and their experience. So the first set of products, and it continues to be um, talking to our community and trying to understand what is missing that could help them manage their blood sugar more easily and really listening to where the gaps are. Because a lot of the times for us, these are creating products that don't exist. And so, you know, it's that nugget of Thanksgiving, I dread it. And I'm like, why? Because I can't eat the things that I want. People pass over like plates um, because they, they are judging me for what I'm eating. And it was that, that sort of, but what if we could create something that could change that? Or, you know, I start eating, once I have one cookie, I can't stop and I have the whole bag. I'm like, what if I create something that was convenient and small, worked right away and could help you stop eating after one cookie. So it's that sort of, you know, insight. And then I have an amazing team of advisors who are from, you know, the chief uh, of eating disorders and obesity at Mount Sinai, who's a behavioral psychologist, all the way to an endocrinologist at Cleveland Clinic. We have a pediatric specialist. We have, uh, you know, Dr. Pimu, who's um, a specialist in chronic diseases and communities of color. And getting their input on different products as we develop it. I do a ton of research and I work with scientists as well to formulate the products that we have. How much time would you say goes into a product from idea to conception to, you know, going to your, I don't know if you call them chemist. I'm thinking more so in like the cosmetic, in the cosmetic space, you work with a chemist, but what does that timeline look like? I think on average, you know, it could be as short as six months when I know exactly what I want and I start pulling it together. And a big, a big part of it is iterations and taste testing or like, you know, all of that um, to, you know, over a year and a half. That's amazing. So I think that one of the, another topic that we talk a lot about on the show is patience and it takes a lot of patience when you are in something so deeply for so long from when you go from idea to like physical fruition, like having the product come to fruition. It's funny because oftentimes by the time we get a piece of jewelry produced and it's in front of me, I'm like, eh, I'm over it already. <laughs> like, how do you keep yourself excited about, about the product and about what you're, what you're launching? Um, because what you're, what you have now is essentially your hero products, right? These are right. the products that are relevant and will be relevant forevermore. Um, I don't know. I feel like 
every day is just so packed and so busy. I have no perception of time. And that's probably also because I started this business during COVID. So that also further confused me with timing. Um, But I think it's knowing that my product is going to hit the market, people are going to try it, you know, getting their comments and feedback on how it's helped them. Like that really just keeps me going. Um, and I know the team, you know, are, that's like our favorite thing to do is, you know, read through all the comments that we get from our customers. I love that. So you mentioned your other co-founders, who else is on the team? How is your company structured? Yeah, so we are a very small team. Um, Most of our team is actually in marketing because of the community aspect. So I have someone dedicated just to managing our community and being able to answer questions um, and really foster um, a safe space no matter where you are in your journey. And that was really, really important to me because I felt like seeing, you know, different, you know, even within diabetes, it can be quite, you know, closed communities, depending on what type of diabetes you have. And then there are like people who are trying to quit sugar that are on the entire different spectrum, but we have all of them in this community, Facebook community that um, we started. Um, So marketing is a big part of it. And then we have a few um, people on the operation side. That's awesome. What does your day-to-day look like? It's a stupid question and I get it all the time, but I also am curious. And I think that that's a question that people need to know. A lot of meetings. Like my team always tells me, they're like, we look at your schedule and it gives us anxiety. And so it's packed meetings, um, morning to evening. And so I also try to schedule like being intentional, spending time with friends, I also put that into my work calendar. So I remember to go out, take a break, see friends and do other things. Everything needs to be scheduled. Um, No day is the same. Today's a fun day because I get to speak to you on a podcast and there are days when it's like, you know, constantly reviewing contracts, going through financials. Those are less fun days for me. Um, And then there are days where I'm just talking about marketing and different products and different partnerships that we can do. And that's always fun for me. I love it. Do you have a particular day that you just focus on one thing? For example, like Tuesdays for us is a content day. Wednesdays, I do my recordings and we have team a team meeting. Thursday um, we is my wholesale day. And then Monday and Friday are buffer days. And that's not to say that you don't do a mixture of all those things right. within a day, but we have dedicated a single day to mostly focus on that. And it's made us internally more efficient. Do you, is that something that's that you've seen before? That is something that I aspire to do, but it's very (laughs) difficult because of all the different meetings and all the different people that I need to speak to on a day-to-day basis. It's really hard to say, hey, um, it's going to be, you know, I only take meetings on Tuesday, Thursdays, and then I do other things on the other days. Um, I usually try to keep Friday as a buffer day but inevitably somehow that ends up being like the day with the latest meetings because all the meetings that didn't fit into Monday, Thursday get put (laughs) into Friday. So that's a work in progress I would like to get to. Honestly, same. And, And I feel personally, I enjoy staying in the office late on Fridays after everybody else goes home because it allows me an opportunity to, to wrap up 
you know, a little bit and make myself feel a little bit better, you know, and either get emails out before, like before Saturday morning and, or schedule them for the following week. Um, I love a Friday night work sesh. That is probably my favorite time. That's why you asked me about my long weekend. And I'm like, Monday is perfect because no one's going to have a meeting with me internally. So I can have some external meetings and get some work done on Monday. Exactly. Exactly. I totally get it. Well, I can't believe it, but we've been talking for almost an hour. We could go on forever. Literally forever. Um, How can we find you and how can we support you? Um, Please follow us um, on Instagram. Our handle is take a sugar break and please go check us out on the aisles of now Target, CVS. We're also in Hy-Vee. Um, soon to launch and thrive market. We're also on walmart.com and of course our own website and Amazon. And if you know anyone who you think would enjoy our products, please spread the word. And if you've tried our products and love it, we would really, really appreciate your review. You are such an interesting human. I'm so impressed and inspired by you. And I want to say thank you for the, for the work that you're doing in the world. It really is mission driven and purposeful. And I I would put money on the fact that you've changed more than one person's life (laughs) with your product. Um, But thank you. Thank you for, for taking the jump and for leaning into entrepreneurship um, because this is a very this is a very special product and a very purposeful product. And I have a lot of folks in my life that are affected by diabetes. So um, I'm thinking you from, you know, a more holistic standpoint, but also from a very personal place too. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And enjoy your, enjoy your day um, packed with meetings. And yes. um, I look forward to talking with you again very, very soon. Yes. Speak soon. Well, folks, that was just sweet. A massive thank you for Scarlett for coming on the show. And another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts forevermore. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and the conversations that you love, just like Scarlett. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostello.com and MarinCostello Radio on Instagram. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week with another wonderful guest.
get together and feel alright. Hear the children crying. One love. Hear the children crying. One heart. Saying, give thanks and praise to the Lord, and I will feel alright. Saying, let's get together and feel alright. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let them help us all this dirty remarks. There is one question I'd really love to ask. Is there a place for the hopeless sinners who has hurt all mankind? Just a saver's own belief. Together and feel alright. 
Thank you. 